Welcome to Filmstrip and our Superman retrospective series. Who is he? What's his name? Where does he come from? What's he got hidden under that cape of his? Batteries? Featuring Brian. Do you like pink? I like pink very much, Louis. And Jay. To a nice guy who's about to finish last. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of films featuring the Man of Steel. I tell you, boys and girls, whichever one of you gets it out is going to wind up with the single most important interview since God talked to Moses. And now, here's Brian and Jay. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of Superman Returned, starring Brandon Routh, Kate Bosworth, James Marsden, Parker Posey, and Kevin Spacey. Directed by Brian Singer, released in 2006 on a budget of $209 million, at least that's what it costs for the movie, we'll talk about the whole budget later, grossed $391 million at the box office, and, you know, it's one of those things that was met with decent reviews, but... I, you know, there's a real divide in the fan base as to where this one fits, and, and if is it good? Is it not? Is it this? Is it that? The studio certainly was not completely pleased with the turnaround because they never made the sequel to it. So mm. we, we talk about that, Brian. We got to talk though a little bit about the long, strange tale of how this came to be, and this could be its own podcast. So I'm, I'm just gonna try. <laughs> I'm gonna try to sum this up as best I can. If I miss some of the finer points, forgive me, folks. But I, I feel like we need to talk about this. So. We can, you and I can both agree though, the Superman film franchise was dead after 1987 with Superman <laughs> Quest for Peace, right? <laughs> I would, uh, I would have put it to rest, yes. <laughs> yeah, there was nowhere to go. Even the Salkins had, didn't even want anything to do with that one. They had done Supergirl. So with the trifecta of Superman 3 and then the bombs of Supergirl and Superman 4, the Quest for Peace, it was done. But the comic books were still viable. And in 1993, this really interesting thing happened. They decided we're going to do the death of Superman. So they this big lead up to it. And it was like a national news story when Superman died in the comic books. It was a major thing. I remember seeing that on the news. And Warner Brothers realized somebody is going to make that. Either the Salkins, who have cheapened this thing so bad, or somebody like Canon that really doesn't have the money for it. We've got to buy this up. And even if we don't ever make that movie exactly, we want the film rights back. So Warner's bought all the film rights back from the Salkins in 1993. Now keep that date in mind, because... This movie was released in 2006. <laughs> so they handed the project over to John Peters, who had been a producer in things like The Color Purple and Rain Man, but his real calling card was he had brought Tim Burton and Batman to Warner's and had made half a billion dollars off of that and then had done Batman Returns and had ridden that through all kinds of success. So Peters was the guy that they said, we want you to take Superman. And he was really intrigued by this idea of the death of Superman. And he didn't want to necessarily make that comic into a, you know, a, a, a movie, but he wanted to follow some similar storyline to that. So he hired this guy that had written a lot of Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> to write a more mainstream MTV Superman. Now, just imagine that for a minute. <laughs> In 1993, I mean, Superman would have been wearing flannel. No, no, no. 93, he'd have been wearing flannel staring at the floor. <laughs> I mean, that was grunge era, right? So they brought in another writer after that to change it up, and the script was ultimately rejected. And then the oddest person on Earth is really the one that we can blame, think, or whatever, for finally getting 
what ultimately became Superman Returns into motion. And that is Kevin Smith. Yes, the clerk's dude was brought in and he wrote a treatment in 1996 and they liked it so much that wrangling back and forth with directors, they put the thing into motion. Tim Burton finally got brought in. They paid him $5 million up front, whether the film ever got made or not. He threw out most of Kevin Smith's stuff, rewrote it, uh, had Nicolas Cage attached for a cost of $20 million up front. Now, I don't think he got all 20 of it, but they paid him a lot of money up front to take. There are photos on the internet of Nick Cage with like a mullet in the Superman costume. Yeah, He really cool. wanted to do it, too. Yeah, Languished in pre-production. Both Cage and Burton finally dropped out, turn of the century. 2002, J.J. Abrams was brought in, wrote a script that would be a reboot that would ignore the death angle, so they'd already gone away from that. And they were going to redo the origin story. And I mean, they had Brett Ratner, McGee, even Abrams attached to directing. It was going to be set on Krypton. There was going to be a civil war. It was really weird. <laughs> you know. Finally, though, that, that idea started to taper. McGee dropped off of the thing, and Brian Singer, hot off the success of the first two X-Men films, was brought in to do this. And he and his co-writers, Michael Daugherty and Dan Harris, basically went on a vacation to Hawaii. And they decided <laughs> that instead of trying to redo the origin story or do you know Death of Superman or whatever, they were so in love with what Richard Donner had done in the original. And in what they had heard and had read at that point about what Donner's idea of the second one was going to be, they crafted a script. And that is ultimately what got turned into this movie. So over 11 years or really almost 13 years, and $40 million were spent yeah. before they ever shot a frame of usable foot footage. <laughs> that is, I mean, there's a lot of pre-production costs to films and stuff, but $40 million. $40 million. That's a lot of money, man. Yeah, to down never the get, crapper, yeah. I mean, yeah, to get nothing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I hope, you know, whatever. I well, obviously didn't buy Cage a whole lot because he's pretty much doing everything he can now to pay his taxes. But you know, <laughs> I hope whatever Burton got off of that five was worth it. <laughs> I mean, now also yeah, listen geez. to the list of everybody attached to play or offered to play Superman. Okay, Nicholas Cage. I've already mentioned Ben Affleck. Okay, <laughs> Johnny Depp, Colin hey. Farrell, the short Superman, James Franco, Jude Law twice. <laughs> Paul Walker, Will Smith, Will Jerry, Smith. Jerry O'Connell, David Boreanaz was really interested in this and dropped out because of conflict with shooting Angel, of all things. James Marsden, who ended up in the film, Jared Padalecki, and even Henry Cavill, who will play Superman in the new Man of Steel movie, was considered for this. So, I mean, they went around a lot of people. Before Singer finally latched on to Routh, who had, who had tested for it, and he tried out for it and really wanted it, and they just went for what he did. So the studio finally ended up with a director best known for a great heist movie, The Usual Suspects, and a couple surprising comic book adaptations, who loved Donner and wanted to follow that as closely as possible. Hmm. Not sure I can blame him for dumping three and four. <laughs> I don't think anyone can. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty clear Warners didn't want to deal with any of that either. I mean, they yeah. they wanted to do something, but then you know we, we have to get to what this movie ultimately is and became. And I think before we get into that, Brian, give us a plot summary. Let's spoil it out the wazoo. What happens in Superman Returns? All right. Well, ignoring the plots of Superman's three and four, as we've said, this story tells us that after defeating General Zod, Superman left Earth to find his former homeworld of Krypton after astronauts had supposedly discovered its location. 
Finding nothing but remnants, he returns to Earth to see Lois Lane engaged to a relative of the boss and raising her young son. Meanwhile, the dastardly Lex Luthor, who plans to destroy California, failed because Superman's heroics of turning back time, <laughs> vows vengeance on the Man of Steel and contrives a new sinister plot using the crystals of Krypton to build a continent that will wipe out most of North America. Embedded in the continent, continent structure is kryptonite, the lethal substance that is Superman's only weakness. In the confrontation, Superman is stabbed by Lex with a shard of kryptonite and falls into the ocean. Lois and her fiancé Richard fly in a plane to rescue Superman, who regains his strength from the sunlight and lifts the new landmass after putting layers of earth between himself and the kryptonite surface. Superman pushes the landmass out into space, but is weakened by the kryptonite and crashes back to the planet. While lying comatose in a hospital bed, Lois whispers something in his ear and kisses him. Superman awakens and visits Lois' son, Jason, who he knows to be his own son as well, and recites the last speech of his father, Jarrell, while the boy sleeps. Superman vows to stay and protect Earth and flies into orbit over the world as the credits roll. So there's so there's the plot summary, Jay, for uh, Superman Returns. I'm gonna say this without giving away my entire review right now, but if that was all that this movie was, I, we could just stop right now and I'd say extra large popcorn. They should never make another one. That was amazing. <laughs> if that's all that this was, <laughs> that that would have been uh, as good a Superman movie as you could have made. After all that they went through to get it made, I'll say that. So we have to talk, I guess, at the start here, Brian, about the I guess we should talk about the cast because this is pretty everybody's new. You know, everybody mm -hmm. gets a new face here because it's been so Except long. Except for the voice of Brando. Except for the voice of Brando, which you know what? We can actually thank this movie for the Richard Donner cut because the Warners had acquired all those rights. They had that footage and they, that included the Donner footage that didn't get used. And mm -hmm. Singer, of course, found out about that and he wanted to use some of that and restore some of it for this film. And so when he did, that gave Donner and the other people the opportunity to put together the what is now known as the Donner cut sure. and such. So, you know, this is all part of that. But yeah, it's, you know, everybody but Brando is new. So let's talk about the most obvious new. Let's talk about Brandon Ralph. He's not generally what I consider leading material. Okay. Well, I've never seen him before. I don't think I've seen him since this movie. I don't know who he is. So he was new to me completely. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, Jay, um, when I, I, well, I watched this in two parts. Okay. Uh, I watched the first probably hour of the movie, and then I had to come back to it and watch the last 50 minutes or so of the movie. Um, and at first, I was really turned off by his uh, take on Clark Kent and, and Superman mm -hmm. themselves. I didn't like it. But when I watched the last half of the movie, I actually really just went with it and thought it was fine. So I don't know what it was between the first <laughs> half and the second half. Maybe I was just too tired when I watched the first half or what. But I didn't like him at first. And then as I watched the rest of the movie, I actually thought he did a good job. And this is worth saying. You had never seen this before we did this review, right? Correct. Yeah, see, I've, I saw this when it opened in theaters. I remember it. And I remember thinking to myself, man, they got a guy that does a really good Christopher Reeve. You know, because he had the look, and he's a little bit bigger maybe, but he still had the basic pieces down. But he still did his own thing. And I, I have never faulted Brandon Routh for what I will point out are some problems in this film as I go through it. I've, I'm like you. His performance is fine, and I think as the film goes on, it gets better. 
I I also think yeah. the story improves drastically as it gets going, but he is he works in this role. I could see why they cast him. Um and I mean he was 25, 26 when they did this and I mean, he's only in his early 30s now and there was serious consideration about going back to him when they did Man of Steel. They just decided mm. to, you know, make a brand new thing from the start. Yeah, I see I thought his Clark Kent was horrible. Personally, I thought he didn't give you anything for Clark Kent. He looked like Superman with glasses, basically, and where <laughs> Christopher Reeves went yeah. out of his way to slump his shoulders and, you know, yeah. talk differently and everything. And this guy, I didn't think did any of that. So I was really not happy with his Clark Kent, but I thought his Superman was pretty good. Well, let's say Christopher Reeve did that for the first couple of movies. He, he bailed well, out of that. Yes. You know, <laughs> as, as they got worse, he was like, yeah, screw it. But <laughs> nobody blames him. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, that's a, that's a, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. I, I don't think Clark Kent is very, uh, can I say this? I don't think Clark Kent is very important to this story at all. Um, uh, yeah. I, I would have almost been okay if we never, I see why they have it in there. It does make sense, and they work it in the plot, but it almost would have worked if it had just been Superman running around again. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can talk about that as we go, but uh, we were both kind of filled about the same on Ralph. Okay, now Lois Lane, Kate Bosworth. All right. She was 23 when she made this or whatever, and it is the one thing consistently from watching it back then till now that I bump up against and just don't like I just don't go with her as Lois Lane. And I, it, it's sad to say it is the age thing. She not only looks it, at times it's it comes off like that. And I'm like, Lois was a you know, a headstrong woman of the world. She you know, she wasn't this and I just have never gone for her. Yeah. I didn't mind Kate Bosworth the way she did it. I thought that the way it was written was horrible. I thought mm-hmm. they, they just totally threw what Lois Lane was out the window and made her this emotional, sympathetic person, which she isn't. She's mm-hmm. a cocky, arrogant writer, right? Yeah, she's ruthless. She, yeah, yeah, she didn't have any of those traits in this movie. And so I thought because of that, they, they just dropped the ball completely on Lois Lane. And even in the comics and in the Reeves films, that's her character. She had none of that in this. And so it was kind of like... Now, how do you? I can't even. Well, it's like they de- the they like person. they declawed her a little bit. Like she's right. she's very demure, and Margot Kidder is anything but. Yeah, yeah, and plays it as anything but. Kate Bosworth plays this like a nice person, and right. No offense, Lois Lane is not a nice person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how she got where she was in life. And here's my only rebuttal to that. And it's not so much a rebuttal; it's just a question I'm going to ask. Are they trying to soften her because they're trying to say that motherhood has softened her a little bit? I sure hope not. You know, yeah. I, I I would hope not, but who knows? I mean, it could have yeah. been the plan, but I. I would hope that's not what they were were going for because I just don't see that being the case. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't either. I. I'm just. I don't know the. And I didn't really. I, I've listened to some of the commentary and stuff, and there's really nothing but grow, glowing praise for everything. I mean, the all you know, Singer loves this, and even though he's come out in recent years and said, "Ah, this could have been better," that the other, he's always defended the Kate Bosworth bit because she was his choice. I mean, he wanted her from day one that he finally got attached to this. That was his Lois Lane. And, you know, to her credit, her, Spacey, um, Ralph, and Parker Posey all signed onto this thing, and there wasn't even a script. There was barely a treatment done. <laughs> they, they were told, it's Superman, here's your character, and it's Brian Singer. You want to do it or not? 
you know, and of course, Routh was all over it because this was, you know, a way to make himself and he knew it and sure. has admitted as such. And he's, they went to him and said, are you sure you want to do this? You know, and he said, I'd rather be the guy that played Superman once than the guy that never played him, you know, and so it, that's how he approached it. And Bosworth came in, but she was Singer's, you know, thing. I mean, he wanted her for this role badly. And that's really kind of the to the, the next new one. I guess it's the, the last major one we want to talk about. Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. Yes. I uh, I liked it. I liked his take on it. I thought he kept a lot of the uh, character characteristics that uh, Gene Hackman brought to it. I thought that he did a good job with that, but um, made it his own as well. And I just, Kevin Spacey to me is one of the best actors that can grace a movie you know he's he's so good and he took it and while staying true to the character made it his own as well his facial expressions and his look of like uh he the way he looks through people phenomenal mm-hmm. I, you know what i i agree with everything you said kevin spacey is a phenomenal actor in anything i've seen him in movies that aren't so good and it's not his fault yeah uh, he's he's good in any kind of performance i've seen him in he can play that edgy sinister but you like him for some reason role he has a way of really drawing you in and Mm -hmm. you miss a lot of it's in his face it's it's the way he works that face and does things and i i dug him too uh you know i love gene hackman what he did with that role is iconic and stuff but to me kevin spacey was just as good just as ruthless and was a was a great Lex Luthor. I mean, I really have always liked his performance. And moreover, I think the Luthor plot is maybe the best one they've ever given Lex Luthor. We can talk about yeah, that. But yeah. I loved the plot that he had. And, which, you know, we replace all the other minor characters, too. We get, you know, the new uh, editor, Frank Langella. He's been in a lot of stuff. I like him. I don't really know the new Jimmy Olsen from anything, but he was, you know, less annoying. Uh, new characters, though. Uh, James Marsden. Now, this is a guy I've seen in a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't ever dislike him. I even saw him in a rom-com that I wasn't a big fan of with Katherine Heigl, and I thought he was great in it. Um, I like this guy. And, yeah. you know, they wanted him for Superman. That didn't work out, but they gave him with this role. And you talk about a thankless role you get to be lois lane's fiance possible father of her you know child and you have to live up to superman <laughs> well, not only live up to superman yeah. but know that she still has hard feelings for him you know good, exactly. love love feelings for him right yeah and to accept that i thought he did a really good job and i think the character was actually pretty pretty well done i thought i was going into it i thought i was going to really end up hating this character mm-hmm. but the way it was written and the way he played it i actually really thought the character was pretty awesome and so oh. i enjoyed it quite a bit See, I really dug him, too, and I think it's because he is so likable. And part of that is just Marsden is a likable guy on screen. He has that presence. He's sort of that – he's good-looking enough that he can be, like, you know, a big movie star, but he's also just looks like one of the guys. Mm-hmm. And as far as for, like, Lois and Clark and the Daily Planet and stuff, the editor looks really old, and he is, and he should be doing things that editors do. They needed yeah. somebody else as the in-between that was also in their personal lives but also – was a part of their professional lives too and had ambitions and goals and was useful. And I liked him too. I thought it was a really neat role and I thought he played it well. And he played the parts particularly where he confronts Lois about her feelings for Superman and and all of that with a a very real sense. Mm -hmm. And then he also does very Superman like things. He's incredibly selfless um, he risked life and limb to, you know, help him out. And even though he knows, you know, how Lois feels and he doesn't seem to be 
Well, let me say this. I think he comes around to the idea that that's just part of her life and he doesn't feel threatened by it at some point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I think he plays the nice guy, right? Who knows yep. that he's not the number one choice, but loves her so much that he's willing to allow her some leeway in her feelings. Even And, and you know, and Lois proves her dedication to him, too, by not leaving him when Superman returns, you know? Yeah. So, well, and she's conflicted by it too. We'll get oh, absolutely. All that. Yeah. So, I think the last new character I really want to talk about is Kitty. You know, Lex's new sidekick here. Yeah. Parker Posey. You know, I, Parker Posey to me is one of those strange actresses that tends to pop up in stuff that I see and I never think about her. But then when I see her in it, she's always playing these really peculiar roles and doing things really different. I, I remember when she was in Scream 3 and I just thought she was such an odd choice for the role they gave her, but she was so good in it too. And she's been in stuff like Best in Show and some of these other um, you know, ensemble comedies and things like that. She, that's what she tends to do. She doesn't do these you know big budget flicks a lot, but I've, I've always... I don't know that I necessarily like her, but I don't hate her either. And I mm-hmm. did think the Kitty... Uh, person was a, a different kind of sidekick for Lex here because Mrs. Tessmacher was pretty much his girlfriend, right? This doesn't yeah. come off like that at all. This is more like this is her niece or something. I don't know well, who this woman is. I, I don't know what she's supposed to be. Uh, see, I got it. I, I took her as his girlfriend too. Okay. Actually, I took her as the girlfriend. But what I got out of it was, you know, why does she give a shit? I just, I never could figure out why she gave a damn about anything that happened. You know, Uh, it, it made no sense to me and we'll talk about it as the parts come up. But uh, yeah, the character confused me. I didn't get what the point was. Well, that's a good way to get it. Let's get into it. I mean, let's just talk about it here. Mm -hmm. The very opening of this lets you know that they're throwing parts three and four in the trash can and (laughs) and most of part two as well. Mm -hmm. They, They redo the destruction of Krypton. With that voiceover from Jor-El. And then we get, we go back to like the original credit sequence with the John Williams music. Now it's not Williams. It's John Ottman's doing the music here, but mm-hmm. it's the Williams score. And I dare say it sounds on par with that first one. It sounded amazing. Mm-hmm. It sounded yeah. and looked like a Superman movie. Absolutely. Much better than we got from three and four. Absolutely. For sure. And the, it was smart to go back to the Williams score, even if Williams wasn't going to uh, redo the the recordings or whatnot. It was good to go back to that score because that is what we identify with Superman, right? That's the mm-hmm. music that you know Superman to be. And changing it in three and four like they did just felt wrong. Well, yeah, that's the thing is, it, and we didn't really talk about it much in those reviews, but it's almost like they barely even have the Superman theme. Mm-hmm. In those other films, they're doing this other stuff. This film, it's like every 25 seconds. Da, 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 da. You know, so yeah. We're going to make up for lost time. You know, they put it on the screen all the time. But, yeah, but I was good. No. Yeah, yeah. that's what I say. I'm not going to complain about it, though, because I happen to like that theme. It's one of the most iconic movie themes of all time. Why wouldn't you play it? Mm-hmm. You know, every time he's on the screen doing something, that's what it's there for. It's the hero theme. But, yeah, I liked the opening sequence and that they remind us of where we're really picking up from. We're yeah. picking up from the the biggest event in Superman's life is that his home planet was destroyed and he knows about that. Yeah. You know, and then we you know, we get through the credits and we go right into the Lex Luthor plot. Now, what did you make of Luthor's little uh, scheme here? Of, hey, he got himself out of prison and basically refinanced. Yeah, I, 
No, I don't know. It was kind of interesting. I liked how he manipulated the old lady to give him all of his, yeah. all of her money and whatnot, and, and mm-hmm. <laughs> the family's waiting and her outside. Families. I thought it was yeah. kind of funny, um, but I don't know that it really served a purpose other than to show that he was out of jail and he was still a dick. Well, I think it serves two purposes. One, what you've just mentioned, he's out of jail and he's still Lex, but he has to have some way to finance what he's going to do. And so his way of doing this was, and you pick it all up, it's all up into the way Spacey talks and the way this woman just sort of dumps all these lines on you, is that he somehow or another befriended her, convinced her that he was wrongly accused, and she helped him get out of jail. And in return for that, he, you know, gave her pleasure in ways she'd never known. And I just thought, oh, God, please let that in. (laughs) And and I'm like, you know, though, Lex would be the kind of guy that's like, how often is this going to even have to happen? I'm going to take one for the team, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And Kitty's working as, like, the maid. (laughs) he's like you know this ain't gonna take long and sure enough it does and and they get what they want and i love how he drops the little toupee on the girl like you can have this the rest is mine and he he just walk out the door to their big yacht going it's you know we're done here Mm. and that i i liked it as a return of lex luthor lex luthor needed to be menacing and conniving and he needed to be a little pissed off brian i mean at the end of two I mean, it, it's a goofy, that was a goofy little way that it did. Okay, I'm sorry. I like Gene Hackman, but that was, that story didn't do him a lot of favors and hell, he sure. wasn't even there to shoot it. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, really he wasn't. So people talk about him as, the, you know, this is a great performance. All this stuff. Well, yeah, but he was only there for two weeks. All right. I mean, he only put in that much work on it. He did a lot with that, but let's, let's let go on how iconic it was. It wasn't like he was there for five years making that movie, you know? So... I wanted Lex to be a little harsher and a little meaner mm-hmm. and a little scheming. And I, I I went with it. I was like, sure. Yeah, this is a great way. It's also not what I expected after seeing that bit on, you know, with Krypton at the beginning again. I thought we're going to jump right into where Superman. And, sure. Because I had to assume that, well, if he's returning, he went away, you know. And that's right. what they say in that opening title card, which is, you know, after um, all that had happened, everything else that had happened, he... uh um, the astronomers supposedly found his home planet and he went to check it out, which I thought, okay, that also erases the Richard Lester ending where he's standing on top of the White House going, I'll always be here, Mr. President. Because <laughs> if we're to believe that, then he's like, except for this time, I'm going home and I'll see right. you in five years. So, <laughs> so that's okay, yeah, and, and though. Like I'm, that. I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, I like that they 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 made it take five years too because that makes yep. sense because he has to fly three. It took him three and a half, you know, well three years or so. He was three years old when he got here, so it took him two right. two and a half years or so to get from Krypton to Earth the first time. So it makes sense that it would take him two and a half years to get there, two and a half to get back. So they really did well on the time frame, I think. Oh yeah, too. And and how about the way he comes back on Earth? <laughs> the same way he came exactly. the first time. Yeah, now, this, where did he get this time the he's vessel? wearing clothes. Right, right. Where did he get the vessel? You know what? I asked myself the same question and it's never told. The only thing I I can think of is that in this timeline the Fortress of Solitude is not destroyed. So well, he, that's correct. he went back to it and was able to construct one out of the stuff there cuz as we'll learn the big, you know, MacGuffin in this movie is the crystals, all those crystals. It's not so much mm-hmm. the kryptonite anymore, it's the crystals. And so he uses those to construct a craft for himself to, you know, go there and come back. Okay. Well, I, I, that makes some sense. And yeah, we we do find out that the Fortress of Solitude is not destroyed. Now, remind me, Jay, uh, was the Fortress of Solitude destroyed in Lester's version? Or was it only in Donner's? 
Yeah, that's only in um, that's only in Donner's cut. In, okay. In, Luth- in Lester's cut, it's fine. Yeah, so it makes sense that the Fortress of Solitude still stands then, because yeah. at the time that this movie was created, the Donner cut hadn't been released. They didn't know that he had destroyed it, right? So, right. perfect. I think they knew I, the script of wonder. it, but they weren't going to follow that. They, they needed that thing yeah, to be in place, couldn't. because it's the first place Lex goes to after he's done with Gertrude. He goes back yeah. to the, the place where he had last seen Superman. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. It's a nice callback to mm-hmm. what we saw in Superman 2 where, where Luther finds it in the first time and figures out what the crystals do. And to go back again was kind of neat. Uh, I liked how they did that. And um, yeah, it was a cool drawback to what we saw. And of course, you, you you hear Brando's voice again. And they actually used some of the elders uh, again, which they did in, yep. in the Lester cut too. So that was kind of <laughs> neat. And I it, liked it. Well, they looked a lot better than they did the last time we saw them in part <laughs> four. So, <laughs> I did like though that Kitty gets the fun line. And this is when I started to realize what Kitty was here for. Kitty is actually here for comic relief because there's no Otis. There's no Miss Tessmacher. There's really mm-hmm. none of that anymore. So we've got to have somebody that can be a smart aleck and stand up to Lex a little bit. And it's going to be her. Whether she's girlfriend or not, that's going to be her role. And I love how she's like, you act like you've been here before. And he just kind of mm-hmm. rolls his eyes back at her and then cuts them back forward. You know, and it's like, right. yeah, no doubt. But that's a wink to the audience, too. That like, well, we know that. You know, if you've watched Superman, particularly certain the good ones, you remember that. You know, that's a, yeah. a big scene. So it's neat that there's somebody to call that out, though. And it's it also is a yeah, way of explaining it without having to have Lex go, I remember the last time I was here. He doesn't have to say a word. It's a way to get that out without having to go through that. Right, and it also tells you why he knows how the crystals work and everything else. So yeah. I, I agree. I thought it was it was kind of cool that, to have her mention that because I was sitting there going, in my mind, well, he's already been here. Why would he just find it again, right? No, mm-hmm. and she explains that he's been here before with that line. It was great. I thought that, that was perfect. And I like what his thing is with Jor-El. And it also answers something about the AI here that's a part of the Fortress of Solitude. I've often wondered, how was this thing programmed? How did it work? You know, all that kind of stuff. And the fact is, is it's smart, but it doesn't know exactly who's standing in front of it. It assumes sure. that it's Kal-El, because who else would find it, right? Right. So that's how Lex is like, tell me everything, starting with the crystals. And I love that that's how he starts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, Superman's own, you know, devices are going to be used against him here. And I, I, I dug it. I dug yeah. that that's what they were starting to, you know, lead up to. And I'm also curious at this point, you know, what what's Lex's plan now? Is it just revenge? What does he want to do? Yeah. No, I agree. I, I enjoyed that, too. I thought it was kind of cool. And it's a good way to give him insight into what the technology is, because that's what he was really after. Absolutely. And... We flash back to Brandon Routh, who's waking up on his mom's couch now in Smallville. Mom is alive, so we are, again, ignoring parts three and four. <laughs> and even Marie God. saying mm-hmm. he's been in a lot of stuff, TVs, movies for decades. But I know her from this movie she did with Tom Hanks called Nothing in Common, which is sort of his first dramatic turn. You should watch it, folks, if you like Philadelphia and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm fine with, with mom still being around here. And I love how he's like remembering his younger days sort of some of the stuff we saw in the donner film i do too i well i mean he's been gone for a while he's back at home i mean Mm -hmm. he hasn't gone back home in a while so unless you go back to three and four but we don't do that Mm -hmm. uh so he hasn't been home in a while so it's kind of like 
reminiscing a little bit. What what I thought was kind of, I thought uh, you know was kind of odd was uh, when he the dog brings him the ball and what's he do? He becomes you know jerk Superman again. <laughs> yeah. and just throws that thing away like <laughs> the poor dog just wanted to play fetch and you just get, got rid of his only toy. You I, jerk. And I love how the dog turns around and looks at him like thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like dude. <laughs> Thanks for coming back, you it, bastard. He didn't even go sorry spot. You know, or no, I, mean, I was away. waiting for the ball to like come back around the earth and land, yeah. and then the then the dog and the dog to look at it as it scorched. You know, <laughs> I guess if I would have money for the uh, dog effect, that you know this movie's long enough. But yeah, but it was a it was a cute moment. You know, this idea that maybe he's sort of getting. You know, you have to think though that if he's been away for five years, he's not used to. Uh, throttling his strength necessarily, yeah. right? So maybe it's a little awkward to do so. No, now. I'm pretty sure he did that on purpose. Dude. <laughs> no, well, maybe, yeah, maybe he didn't like that. And dog. Loaded and just let it fly. <laughs> maybe, maybe the dog beating his shoes, man. I don't know. <laughs> so, I, I never thought about the yeah. dog's motivation. Hey, you, hey, I was fine with her till you came here, man. I was getting food three times a day. Yeah. Now you're here. You're on my couch. You're watching my TV. You're throwing my ball away. Yeah. Jeopardy's Tony, you're watching the freaking news. <laughs> but I do love how Superman is flipping through the news, and it's pretty much everything sucks. Right. <laughs> and he's well, like, Ugh, oh, well, I kind of left at a bad time. It's that look <laughs> on his face, like, well, damn, sorry. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so much for searching for my home planet. Exactly. Yeah, well, not I, a good idea. Well, but he has that conversation with his mother, and she, you know, he, he said, I had to know, you know, I had to see... If there was anything else, and I love how he, you know, gives the definitive on that, like, nope, there's nothing else. Well, and, and yeah, but, you would have thought that because the planet blew up, there yeah. wouldn't be anything anyway. Right, right. Yeah. But as he says it, I had to know. You know, it's it's one of those things like you know, you never believe it till you see it for yourself, right? And yeah. from what I understand, if there was ever going to be a sequel, he was going to find out how wrong he was. You know, that was, that was the, that there was something left, but that it had already long gone too. And was, you know, and when he had come back, it found out about it and it was going to be this big, you know, super villain throwdown thing uh, oh. over earth. I mean, it was going to be the nuclear as, man. No, it wasn't going to be a nuclear <laughs> man. As Singer described it, it was going to be the wrath of Khan of Superman movies. They were going to go something like that, but. You know, we'll huh. never we'll never have that now. So that's done. That's but fine. It's because we get Wrath of Khan again this summer for reasons that I don't want to talk about tonight. But anyway, so we're already getting that. But that's where they were going to go. So, but the setup here I like is that there had to be something for all those years that he was out there. That you, know, what's what was the point? And the point yeah. was is that we all maybe knew. And what his mom says is maybe you are all that's left, but. At least you're here and you still have us and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You have people who care about you. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea of getting him back into the world, right? And we have to get him back into Metropolis and back to the Daily Planet and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What did you think of the Daily Planet thing? How they gave him his job back just like nothing and he shows up and everything's odd. Oh, it, I love how everything is new and different to him. And I love the line that gets dropped by the uh, the editor. He's like, thanks for giving me my job back. Yeah, can you think so and so? Because he died. Yeah, and exactly. Jimmy Olsen's like, it, it was his time. And, you know, and it was because Clark has this look in his face like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, wow, that's not how you want to go back in. I, you know what? 
I was wondering to myself as I'm watching this film, and I remember thinking you know, the first time I saw it, how's he going to get his job back after five year hiatus? Nobody well, gets a job know. back. He and and took I love how for a dead guy. Yeah, and I love how that's how they explain it away. <laughs> <laughs> you know that it's just this. Yeah, you can think so and so because he's dead. Oh, good timing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what? You know what? I was fine with it though. It was it was funny. That's the one thing I'm noticing too. Mm-hmm. The jokes before in these films have all been kind of yucks. You know, they've been real slapsticky kind of humor. These yeah. are very like the funny is all in the but kind of timing. You know, they're all zingers, right? And I'm kind of yeah. going with that. That's a turn of things that I tend to like, and, and because I have seen Brandon Routh and other things, he works well when he's allowed to either give zingers or walk off, work off of zingers. And yeah. I I kind of dig it here. I thought it was funny. I did too. I like, I like the comedy that they do here. It's not the campy comedy that you got in some of the Superman bits. Yeah. It's more of a mm, kind of a dry humor or, or, a, it's just good comedy. Like I liked it a lot. And we get, you know, an information dump here from, of course, Jimmy Olsen, who's only there to do this apparently in any film that he's, that he's in is to get us back into things. And he starts telling Clark everything that's been going on, you know, mm-hmm. here's this, here's that. And then of course he goes over to Lois's desk and what does he see, but a picture of her with another guy and a small child. And yeah. Jimmy has to do this whole, yeah, that's her, uh, um, fiance, but don't ask her the date. She hates that. And he gets like sort of mildly angry and cracks the frame. <laughs> yeah. Well, come and on, Jimmy Superman. goes, what do you expect? You look- well, no, no, no. But before we get to that, though, the, the funny thing is, is that Jimmy goes, you look like you need a drink. And the, my thought yeah. is, oh, maybe we should have remembered part three. That ends bad. Oh, yeah. No, let's not have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> but they go to the bar. And I don't see Superman of taking course. a drink. But I am. I was amused by all of that. But OK, now back to the, the other thing. He. Why is he surprised, upset, whatever he is that Lois has seemingly moved on yeah i mean he's been gone for five flipping years uh no one waits around for five flipping years I, that's just not gonna happen um it, with no contact right five right. years if you're in a military and you come back every now and then sure but five years with zero contact not even knowing where he went where he where he is yeah why wouldn't she move on come on dude I would have thought so too. I mean, I, I and this is this in, therein lies the one thing in this movie that I I still bump up against to this day. This whole forced idea that he is so obsessed with her that he will do anything to try to get back in graces with her, try to figure out what she's thinking and stuff. But I can't sit here and act like that's out of character. He only yeah. spun the world around backward to say for once. Yeah, <laughs> and, I don't have a problem with it, actually, Jay. I think it's it makes sense that he would do that, that he would want to know what happened to the feelings for her. And it makes sense that he would have the feelings still. And maybe his sense of time isn't as great as he's traveling around that he didn't realize he had been gone as long as it is. Because to him, maybe five years isn't that much. Good point. Good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. But as all that is going down, we go back to Lex, who is starting to (laughs) unravel his great plan and what has to be the most awesome train set of all time in Gertrude's basement. It's essentially the city of Metropolis laid out as if it were a big choo-choo train set, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, would, I've, I've seen some pretty awesome train sets. My uh, family uh, is very into train sets. Oh, very cool. That's, that's yeah, fine. I'm so, 
Well, I want to tell you, I thought this one was was fabulous looking. I was totally in for this, and I love that they're going to do this thing. He said, well, we're, we're going to test a theory here, and their whole thing is they're going to cut off a little piece of one of the Krypton crystal, one of the Fortress yeah. of Solitude's crystals. And a they're dropping, sliver. They're going to drop it in water, and I love the whole bit with Kitty. She's like, wow, it's freaking amazing because nothing's happening, and he's like, <laughs> wait for it, and then Nothing happens again, and she's like, "Wow, Lex, that's freaking amazing!" <laughs> I love how it's still, it's still not happening, and all of a sudden the lights go out, and the guy with the camera's like, "Did, did I do that?" <laughs> it's like that wasn't you. And then yeah. out of like out of that little sliver, tiny all, sliver, yeah, all hell absolutely breaks loose, and they basically shut down the East Coast. Yeah, like everything. It was like yeah. it took out everything yeah and that's from a small little sliver right exactly and it went how far it went pretty far yeah uh into the states so it was quite interesting that that little sliver does and how he decides to go about his plan with a bunch of crystals that might take exactly. out the whole world <laughs> as yeah i mean that, this is and we're starting to get his plan but you know what i love about it here is that it's still not revealed to us exactly what the plan is i'm starting to pick it up i'm like okay he's going to do something with the crystals and Obviously, it does you know massive things in water. That's we have never seen one get wet. It's like a magua crystal now. You get it wet. Well, we have seen one get wet. <clears throat> we have seen one get wet because Clark originally took that green crystal, Good threw point. it into the lake, and that's how the fortress came about. Good point. He threw it through the snow. That's right. So you're yeah. right. So we have seen that this thing is a <clears throat> continent builder, or it's a formation builder for sure. Correct. And depending on how it's utilized and if lex has learned how to program them oh boy you know right but the power outage here is used as the setup for a an, a real interesting series of events that gets superman back into metropolis right, right? okay first off the uh the new space shuttle is going to be launched off the top of a jumbo jet all right and they've got you know some press on the jet and of course who's there lois right and because of that power outage, something gets screwed up in the computer relays, and they can't get the couplings to unlock. So the space shuttle fires while on the back of the jumbo jet, which would be inherently bad for oh, yeah. everyone. And that tells you also that that tells you also that we are in around 1982, because that is when the first space shuttle flights began going, and that is exactly how they launched them back then. Is they put them on top of a big jet airliner and had them take off that way. So it's kind of cool. That's interesting that you mentioned that timeline because I was wondering, I I mean, I've always felt like this tried to stay into the time realm or whatever, but it allowed things to modernize because Lois has a cell phone later and there's all this other stuff. Yes, she does. So here's what I think though, because you're right. That was the time of the space shuttles and all that stuff. They decided, well, you know what? We need to have the new space shuttle come around and then that'll be our, 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 and you know, look, a lot of the newer space shuttles back when there was going to still be a shuttle program and stuff, this was one of the ideas. And it was the one that they felt like they could turn into a disaster the fastest. That's the truth. Yeah, so, I don't know. So, I, I mean, I liked it, though. I liked the whole setup here and that it would be something like that, that w- it would take Superman to come in and fix it. Otherwise, all these people are dead because it the oh, yeah, shuttle yeah. is flying that plane into space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is, oh, it does fly the plane Yeah, space, I mean, they so, get yeah. up high enough that they're in zero Gs for a little bit. Yeah. But I love how he comes in, and here's the thing that I automatically knew. I was like, these people know what they're doing, all right? Uh, just effects-wise. One, this is an action-packed sequence. But two, the heat vision. Now, in every other medium, comic book, 
cartoon, every other film, it's laser beams out of the eyes. It's freaking lightsabers from the eyes, okay? Mm-hmm. But in this movie, it's actual what heat vision would be. Little well, ripples, it, and it burns, and it pops things. It can be used in a lot mm, of ways. And I dug the heat vision in this and how it got I, used. I, I, they did have lasers coming out of his eyes at a couple times. No, I know, I know. But I, I'm saying so, I the mean, way he uses it here and the way it's reaffected, I just like it. I, I thought it was a, a good way to I, visualize the effect. I thought it was weird, um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't care for it, to be honest with oh. you. I thought the whole changing of the eyes to this like yellowish color or whatever it was. <laughs> and the, the CGI to me was horrible in this movie. And I hate to say that, but it, it was just bad to me. I thought it was terrible. Oh. And so that kind of bugged me. The, a couple other things that really bugged me is when Superman's in space, his cape is rippling. Uh, that would <laughs> yeah. never happen. Yes, I, I do agree. Me. That's pretty but, bad. Yeah. And the other things are the, the flying sequences. Like when they do a long shot fly, you, it looks so phony that it's not even funny. Like it drove me nuts. And so the seat, the CGI to me was terrible, and that just bugged me. So here's here's the way here's why you're seeing the difference in it. Okay, in every other Superman film, it's been a harness bringing somebody across the camera, sure. or or the harness swinging somebody around. In this one, Brandon Routh is in one of those motion capture suits, and he's laying down and he's doing movements, and the camera is capturing around him, and then they fill it all in behind that. You know? Right. So in and I will say this: in some scenes, it looks better than others. I'll tell you, yeah, I, I rarely get lost in it, and here's why. I'm so engaged in the story up through this first act here that I'm really not noticing any of the things that, you know, with a critic's eye, you do notice watching a film like this. And you're not wrong. Some of these effects, you know, anything CGI heavy is going to date itself at some point. It's well, because the technology changes so fast. You can't fast. blame the date. I, I, I know that you want to, but you can't blame the date because we're in 2006, folks. And in 2006, we had super high-end computers. Lucasfilm was doing all sorts of brilliant CGI. Pixar, Pixar was doing all sorts of brilliant CGI. You can't date it by 2006. They should have been able to do a lot with that CGI, and they should have made it seamless. I will also say this, too. I don't think Singer is the kind of director that can direct CGI sequences very well. I don't yeah. think it's his forte. He is a character guy. And that's why those X-Men films work in a lot of ways. I'll be honest with you. You go watch, go watch those first two X-Men films. The CGI in those is trash compared to <laughs> even this and much less what, you know, like first class did and some of the later ones and stuff. But you go with it because the characterizations are working for you. And that's what I have sure. to do with this. And all I would say was I liked the, the way Heat Vision got visualized in this and the way he uses it. But the, the whole other thing is the way he throws the space shuttle, essentially, or he launches it into space and then has to turn around and go catch that jet plane as it is essentially spinning falling, and falling yeah. back to Earth. Now, you have to admit, effects or not, that was a cool sequence, the way he goes Absolutely. and catches that thing. No, I agree that there, and it's just s- small little things that I complain about, you know, mm. because it just drives me crazy. <laughs> the, the majority of the effects are pretty well done. Uh, the whole Brando imaged onto the the crystals of the Fortress of Solitude was great. Mm. Um, this se- sequence was really good. But it's when they do um, the the eyes thing bugged me, which isn't really a problem with the CGI. It just bugged me. Mm. But when they do some of the shots, it looks like a cartoon Superman instead of Superman. It's- it, 
I mean, it looks like they CGI'd Brandon Roth a couple times, even on cl- some close-ups, and it bugged me because mm-hmm. they didn't need to do that. It does look a little painted, like especially when he's flying around the plane at the end after he lands it in the baseball stadium and stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. There's some shots when it's not as good as others, but I do like how he ultimately he's trying to hold the plane back by holding the wing, and he rips the friggin' wing off. You know, which of course makes the other one fly off and he has to fly back through that to go catch it. And I love how his ultimate answer is he gets in front of it and just stops it. And it, when he stops it on the ground at the baseball stadium, that ripple starts to work its way up the, the superstructure of the plane, but he's holding it all together at the front and then he just lays it down on the ground. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, no, that was pretty cool. I think it worked well too. And, but they do a callback to part four. Did you catch it? Superman's little public address thing. As he, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Still the safest way to Flying travel. Flying is still the safest way. Oh, <laughs> like yes. Whatever airline paid for that sponsorship. Oh, <laughs> none because they didn't yeah. name one, right? But, well, yeah, uh, well, you know, you wonder why that even was there. But it was a little funny thing to hear and to hear him say. But, uh, <laughs> I, but I love the look that, it, that he and Lois exchange here. Again, I don't like Bosworth's performance at all, but I do like the idea of what they're going for here. Is that what would you say to you know that that person five years later, you know? And I love what yeah, he says oh, to her. Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> and it's yep. like he's talking to the whole room, but he's looking right at her, right? You know, which is pretty cool. It's I'm back. Are you okay? I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I, here's the thing. What I really enjoyed about mm-hmm. this whole scene was that Lois Lane just takes a beating from hell in this yes. whole thing. She's out of her seatbelt. She's flopping all over the plane and getting her butt kicked. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was. And here's the thing, though. The reason she's out of her seatbelt is because she's trying to do something heroic. You know, she's trying to help this other guy who can't get his buckled or whatever. That's how she ends up loose in the thing. Yeah. And, and part of that, I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. But I don't really know if you know, Lois would have done something like that. But then, you know, well. No, nah, she would have she's, screamed her ass off. I was going to say, but, uh, but what they're trying to sell us on, and whether they're doing it or not, I guess is what we're debating here. They're trying to sell us is that the experiences of five years ago are not lost on her, no matter if she is still Lois Lane. It's changed her. And... It, what it's done is it's made her a little less selfish. And that's what we're supposed to see here. I don't know that it's well done because, again, I don't think it's yeah. well portrayed, but that's what they're going for. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know that it's really well portrayed, but um, I, I enjoyed watching her get her butt whooped. It's kind of fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so all of that, you know, it, he's back. You know, this is Superman's back now, right? And it's, it's going to be big news. And this is where we finally meet Lois's son, Jason, who's supposedly Richard's son as well, right? right? This is when we meet Jason. Now, I want to tell you, this had to have been the worst either kept secret or worst plotted thing in the history of you know big budget cinema. I don't remember if I knew going into it that Superman was supposed to have had a kid with Lois, but the way they just framed the whole thing, and the way he looks at the kid the first time he sees him, intentional or not, I can't help not think that he knows right then and there, that's my kid. Oh, wow. Well, I would I would think so, too, because I, mm-hmm. I would sense that his uh, he has some sort of a ability to sense another Kryptonian, maybe. Mm-hmm. And since the kid would be half Krypton, Kryptonian and half human, I, I would think that he would get it. And I don't know that he uh, necessarily knew it right off the bat, but I think he sensed it. Okay. And it maybe startled him. And then he kind of figured it out, but maybe yeah. not exactly. Yeah, that could be kid, that could right? be startling. 
If you oh, don't, yeah. you don't see your would be girlfriend for five years, and the next time you see her, she's got a five year old. Yeah, your own kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. either she moved on really fast, or what we did in that bedroom went well, really hey, long way. Hey, look, man, I'm, I'm. It's one more reason to know that they are following the Lester version of two because they oh, yeah. got it on. So, yes, they did. In right the, after that delicious Chinese dinner in the Fortress of Solitude, <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it was on. So and clearly there had been something from that coupling. All right, but this is again we we get to put him. And Richard face to face, and he has to try to keep up the facade. Yeah, know, yeah. Which at that moment would be really hard to do, <laughs> you know? Well, I, and again, I don't know that he put two and two together right away, other than maybe sensing something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I don't know. I don't think they played it as he knew right off the bat, but I think that he had a, a inkling maybe. Mm hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But so. now Superman goes on his rash of adventures now. You know, where or well, he's actually trying to figure out you know what he's going to do. He's starting to do a lot of things, <laughs> and Lex Luthor sets up a, a great heist again. Now, I don't know if you remember it or not, Brian, but you you know the whole setup where they got the kryptonite in Superman One was from a meteorite from Addis Ababa, right? right? Well, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when they rip off the meteorite from the Museum of Natural History or whatever here in, in the Metropolis, it's the same piece of meteorite. <laughs> It's another nah, chunk of it. It's a little little sign there from Addis <laughs> nice. Ababa. But the reason he's able to do it is he sends Kitty driving through Metropolis Square, basically, in a 65 Mustang with the brake lines <laughs> cut. Now, later we'll learn that she's beating the crap out of Lex for this. They were, uh, We were supposed to pretend. And <laughs> I love the line he gives her, something to the effect of, like, every man can know when a woman's faking. <laughs> you know? And oh, so she is in real yes. terror, you know? And is ultimately <laughs> saved by Superman. And then she does the biggest come on job to him of all time. I mean, wow. Yeah. Now, and this is where it goes downhill for her character, in my opinion, because all of a sudden she's in love with this guy. And for what reason? Because oh, I, he, that's a total ruse, I think. I, I don't, I didn't uh, buy at all that she really felt that. You, you think so? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think she fell hard for him, and I think that her actions later in the film prove it. Okay. You know what? Bring that up then, because that'll be interesting. I've never thought of it that way, so I've always thought it was just part of the ruse because of where she goes back to. But, you know, Superman is, of course, unaware of this robbery happening, and he spends the next night hovering outside of Lois and Richard's place, which, by the way, Richard's got a nice place for being the associate international editor. Well, his dad owns the paper, right? I guess so. I guess that's it. He's also a pilot. You kind of get the idea that Richard's done other things for a living besides work the newspaper. So, I mean, yeah, it's... uh, Anyway... He's he's listening in, though, because Richard and Lois are having this whole conversation about, do you still have feelings for him? What was it like? You spent the night with him. What does that mean? You know, he she's, you know, having to own up to things that she's never told him before about Superman. And right. she drops this line about, I don't love him anymore. You know, and Superman flies away kind of dejected from that. And I want to tell you, if they had gone away from that part of the storyline, for the rest of this film, I'd have been fine with it. I would have been okay if that was where they let it lie. Now, they don't, and it becomes a bigger part later. But what did you make of that and sort of his whole stalking <laughs> job here? Well, so I didn't like the stalking thing. I didn't like that he's sitting in there listening in on their conversations and basically trying to 
catch up or whatever. But I thought that the the reaction from Lois to say that she doesn't love him anymore, even if she does, that's what you would say mm-hmm. because you don't – she's confused, right? Mm-hmm. She has very conflicting emotions right now because he has now come back. She's made her own life since he left, and now right. he's thrown himself right back in the middle out of nowhere. So – yeah, I I think she would tell herself that she doesn't love him anymore, and so she would tell uh, her her boyfriend as well that she doesn't love him anymore. So it makes some sense to me that that's what it would be. Now that Superman gets all pissy about it, that's kind of silly. But <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Does Lois know that Jason is Superman's son and not Richards? Because it brings up another question. If depending on how you answer here, well, I would say she should know because. Either she moved on from Superman really fast and got in the sack with Richard really that, quickly. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> she's just naive to the fact. Now, okay. I don't think she knows um, at that point. I think she may have some suspicions, okay. but she doesn't know for sure because he's not shown any signs of the Superman ability, right? Right. And as in a, fact, as a kid. they've gone out of the way to show us that he's kind of a weakling. He's on all kinds of medicine. He's got asthma. Right. Yeah, he's kind of a scrawny little kid. Yes. Yeah. So I would say at this point she does not know that, but okay. she he may have had a thing feeling that he wa- he was, but everything is pointing her in the direction of no. Okay. All right. I wondered that too because my initial thought was like, well, if if she doesn't know that or doesn't think that, then you know Richard was rebound <laughs> and just hung around oh, big time. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. So, but, like really fast like rebound. Super <laughs> fast rebound. I mean, but anyway. Really. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> point being, all this is going on in between, you know, all these different uh, crimes going on. Superman's flying around the world solving crime, doing this stuff. And there's a bank robbery going down. Okay, I, I got a question here. At the end of the bank robbery, the robbers are going to their helicopter on the roof and they're throwing their stuff in, but they've mounted a Gatlin gun on the end of the building. <laughs> Why in a robbery would you feel the need to mount artillery on top of the building? Because it's Lex Luthor, and it, that's what he does. He goes overboard. I, I guess so. <laughs> I, I mean, geez, I guess it's just in case somebody showed up, but they unleash the hell of bullets. It's like out of Terminator 2. <laughs> the yes. cops bust up is getting shot up everywhere, and... The two rent-a-cop security guards busted the door and unload on this guy who's wearing, of course, Kevlar. But I want to tell you something. I, you know, I know people that wear, have worn Kevlar in situations, stuff like that. You, you don't necessarily, you know, not feel it. <laughs> you go on the ground <laughs> one way or the other. That guy just turns around, growls as if he's been hit with a chair <laughs> in the ring, and begins to fire the gun up. And then we get into something that is most definitely about seven years late. This Matrix bullet time thing. <laughs> but mm, yeah. we see this blue blur fly in from the side. And of course, Superman stops the bullets. All the way up to he walks into the gun. Oh. The guy fires one at his eye and it flattens on his eye. That was really intense, right? I could have used without that, to be honest with you. I, just yeah, gross. that seemed like that seemed like the the graphic uh, designer just trying to show off a little bit on something and show something that we've never really been able to capture before. And let me ask you a question because we haven't talked about this yet, Brian, in any of these podcasts. I get how Superman is impervious to all this stuff. Fire, mm-hmm. lightning, you know, apparently not whiskey, but whatever. Nobody's perfect. 
So we don't know that. Yeah, those, so, those films didn't exist. So, <laughs> this is true. This is true. But have you noticed that the suit? But it gets dirty, but it never gets like scarred, charred, chipped. What they don't explain it. What it's is Kevlar, that man. made out of? Oh, it's got to be better than Kevlar, baby. I mean, what is that made out? <laughs> Look, Spider-Man suit gets ripped to shreds all the time in the Sam Raimi movies. That's just mm. uh, even the new one. That that happens. Spider-Man stuff gets torn up. Batman stuff gets messed up. Mm-hmm. Superman stuff has got to be. And I don't need a scene of Jor-El going now. Take the first needle and lap it around the <laughs> second one. To, you know how to you know knit uh, Kryptonian <laughs> gear. But I'm curious as to how this stuff is so impenetrable. <laughs> I finally got you to laugh. <laughs> That's fantastic. Take the needle. <laughs> Make a swoosh. Exactly. Don't that forget. Been awesome. Don't forget the S. Maybe we'll get that in the news. So. Well, here's the th- here's the thing. That's a good question because he wouldn't have any material from Krypton to build the suit, correct? Right. Except for the piece that he was. The baby blanket, yeah. In, right? <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. And that's what I always assumed he made his suit out of that's a good in point. the originals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But maybe I don't it's know. maybe it's whale blubber from the North Pole. <laughs> I don't I don't Could think be, is yeah. Superman in trouble with PETA? I don't know. I'm just saying it's an unanswered question. <laughs> it's one of those things that only pops into my head because I've seen this so many times. So I'm like, I get how he's bulletproof, but how is the suit bulletproof? <laughs> Unless it's part of his yeah. body, it's like a sentient thing. I don't know. I I'm giving the maybe, movie a lot. Maybe yeah. he's got a better Kevlar. Maybe I don't know. maybe so. I don't know. But uh at it's any rate now, now we haven't talked about this. You know, the suit is vastly different. No more tights. Yeah. It's like yeah. you know, it's like a Kevlar bow it, weave. It's cool looking. I you, love you, it. You, yeah, you mentioned Spider Man. It looks a lot like the Spider Man suits, right? Yep, it does. I mean, it, it's very intricate, nice detail, a lot of lines. I thought it was cool. I did too. I thought it had texture to it. It was it was really cool. I I dug yeah. it. Everybody got hung up back in those days. I remember this on the small S and all this stuff. And I was like, please, people. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. You know, it's Jeep. It's not know? that small either. I, hey, dude, at least he's on. not ripping it off his chest and it turns into a cellophane bag to catch well, somebody it, with. <laughs> it, it's not that small. It takes up his whole damn chest. What do they want it to do? Go down his belly button? Uh, I I don't I don't know. I'm just saying that was one sense. of the, the fanboy complaints at the time. Yeah. You know, and of course now they'll deny it, but whatever. You know, it was what? it's reality. So yeah. but the the point is though that Superman goes on this basically rampage of good, if you yeah, will. Good deeds. Yes, good the deeds. Good deed yeah, tour. Like, I mean he doesn't go back and fix the leaning tower of Pisa, at least. It's well, better. It. Does it doesn't even rescue a cat from a tree? <laughs> it's, yeah, no cats from trees this time. There's none of that. It's like big crime only, you know? Yeah. And he, he's like, look. Look, y- y'all gonna have to handle some of this. <laughs> I'm in the major case squad over here now. <laughs> so all this is going down in the midst of though we get a great, a great setup by Luther. All right. Mm-hmm. Kitty is like, what's the what are you trying to do? And he tells this great story, and it breaks my heart that he tells the story of Prometheus, because I have to remember Prometheus and the grand disappointment that was last summer. <laughs> but he talks about how, you know, all I want to do is bring fire to the people. And, of course, I want my cut. And what he says is, in that moment, is I'm going to redistribute the way the earth is laid out the way I want to, and then everybody's going to bow to me. You know, he sets it all up for right there. And that is one of Spacey's best scenes in the whole film, is when he's sort of bouncing around that library. Because it's a different energy than what Hackman gave us, and Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of menace, I think. Yeah, uh, like I said, he, he, he... 
he has that cold-hearted spirit for yes. this Lex Luthor that Gene Hackman had a little bit of, but Spacey takes it to a whole new level. Like he does things and he doesn't give a crap if anyone dies because of it or or gets hurt or anything. He's just like, I know what I want. I'm going to go get it. And if you get in my way, you will probably die. And I don't care. Exactly. And he gives it all of that to you just in how he acts and, and looks. Mm-hmm. And that's phenomenal. So yeah, oh, I agree. Like, I thought this yeah, was a good it, scene. Oh yeah, it's it fabulous. And I love how he lays that out and such. And that that's gonna be his new thing. He wants to um build this new landmass, you know, and mm-hmm. and later on he'll lay the whole thing out for us and stuff. But that's where he's going. And I, I don't know, I just I liked it. Again, the performance is just really kicking in for me. And we're at the part of the film where for lack of a better way of saying it, Brian, the thing slows down to a snail's pace for about 40 mm-hmm. minutes here. And it's a lot of sitting around emo staring at each other, <laughs> you know, kind of pissed <laughs> off that we're not dating anymore. It's the slow tracks on the record. You know, we're in the ballad section now. And I'm like, okay, I've, I've heard it now. <laughs> you know, I'm ready to move on. And, and I think the only, and, and it really is typified in the fact that he shows up as Lois is on the, top of the daily planet trying to smoke a cigarette and he keeps blowing it out which i'm like yeah, okay yeah. so maybe some of that that bad kryptonite stuff did rub off who knows <laughs> but he you know they do that little key music cue again to can you read my mind and i'm like if she reads a freaking poem oh no doubt oh, <laughs> that would have been awful at least they didn't you know they, these guys love that first movie i'm glad they didn't love they, it that much so. yeah they did a nice flight which yes. I liked. It they, was much better done. Well, and they also drop a couple things there, too. When she stands up with him, she's like, I forgot how warm you were. You know? Oh, yeah. And, you know, we've yeah. never really explored the fact that Superman's physiology looks like ours, but really isn't ours. And, you know, he probably creates his own little heat shield just around himself. Well, you'd himself. have to if he's yeah. in space, right? Yeah, I mean, you'd think, right? And that could also, in some, you know, again, retconny fanboy way that, I would, that I'll employ now, explains how people are able to fly with him and not die at 20,000 feet. And not be cold, feet. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like so, he said in Superman 1, let's, mm-hmm. uh, I, do I need a coat? No, you'll be plenty warm. Well, now yeah. we know why. Exactly. Superman exudes some heat. Exactly. He's got his own little heat signature. And I like he's how- He's a hand warmer. There you go. <laughs> But I like how shake him up. <laughs> so all of this goes down, and he he has this whole conversation with her, essentially about why did you say the world didn't need me anymore? You know, were you just saying you didn't need me anymore? He's trying to get to the bottom of all of this. Sure. And, and I'll tell you, it, it sometimes in watching this, I'm like, oh, they're gonna stay on this stupid relationship forever. But if I just try to look at it in context of in some way it makes sense that he has to know these things or wants to know these things from yes. her. I can kind of let it be and, and go with it. No, and I can too. And it didn't bug me at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, it, it never bothered me, the relationship thing, because he, he has been gone for five years and he was in love with her. And so to have these feelings and want to figure him out and then to come back and see the Pulitzer prize for writing an article about not needing him. Yeah. That's going to, stick in your craw a little bit. So I, it makes sense to me. I, it didn't bug me. Exactly. So, and Lois, now, th- this is the one thing Kate Bosworth gets to do that feels very much like Lois. She is supposed to be writing a story about Superman, but she is hung up on this blackout. So yes. she basically gets Clark and Richard to write the Superman end. And she starts working on the blackout. And she figures out through a series of cell phone calls and other good deductive reasoning that she finds that address 
where Lex's new mansion is, Gertrude's old mansion is. And that's where it all started, basically. So mm-hmm. she figures that out. And in that process, her and her son get kidnapped, you know, on board the boat as Lex is getting ready to go out and do his yeah. grand experiment. Now, this I liked because this is the kind of crap that Lois Lane would get herself involved in. She would get yeah. in too deep and couldn't get out. I like the whole way they did it too, where she was looking for, you know, someone to talk to. And when they step into that one room and she sees all the wigs, like she uh-huh. instantly knows that's that Luther. That's Luther. Yeah. And which I thought was cool because the Hackman version never really did anything with the wigs, right? Mm-mm. But this one plays Luther the way he's supposed to be, which is a bald guy who uses a lot of wigs for disguises, right? Right. And I thought that was cool. And then to see see Luther just come out and notice her and be like, ha Yeah, well, I mean, he looks at her and he's like, Lois Lane, he's brushing his teeth. You know? And and, and again, you talk about Spacey's menace. He does that and it's, it can be funny if you watch it one way. It can be really scary if you watch it another way. The way they play that wig reveal, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was watching The Silence of the Lambs. And Jodie yeah, Foster yeah. walked into Buffalo Bill's house. I mean, really, I, I felt that tension. And it's something in the music cues from John Ottman, yeah. too. I was like, that was well, that's a well done scene. That's what Singer mm-hmm. can do. He can't shoot this monstrosity Jurassic Park in space crap, but he can do that <laughs> kind of stuff. That's what he can do. And th- that's why I think this is, this is working. Because yeah. what has been a slow part of the film is about to kick into overdrive you yeah. know, here. And I, I like that that's how she gets herself on that boat. And then Lex lays out the whole plan for her. You know, he's got her and her son there, and he tells him the whole bit about, you know, rebuild the landmass. It's going to kill billions of people. And Kitty is like, we're going to kill billions of people. So then that's when I'm like, she is definitely in the Miss Tessmacher role now, because that's the reaction she had. When you're like, you're going to mm-hmm. kill New Jersey, too. You know, it, yeah, she, right. and maybe that lends to where you're going with it. She kind of has the thing for Superman. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not quite yeah. now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, again, what's Luther doing? He's explaining his all evil plan to the <laughs> person he shouldn't be explaining it to. Because that's what evil reporter. people do, though, Brian. Yes. It's, 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 <laughs> well, he's you know so what? smart, yet he's not. Le- Lex, Lex is nothing if he's not vain. And yeah. he is going to tell it to the world's greatest reporter. But in that, he also gives something else for the audience. All right, he's holding up that piece of kryptonite that's been hollowed out. And we don't know why at the time. We learn later it's because he's going to throw a crystal in it, and that's how it it triggers it. But he's holding that thing up, and Jason just sort of shrieks back from it. And he does this thing with his face, and he looks like, who's this boy's father? You know, and that's right. when it's supposed to be this big da da da. And too bad they, you know, that was not a surprise to anyone watching. But it was well, a cool way to try to do it. Yeah, and they tried to play it off like it may not be still because the mm-hmm. kid only had a small reaction to it, and it didn't affect him as much as he was hoping. And then Luthor kind of gives a nod to that, like, okay, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe this isn't Superman's kid because he didn't have the reaction I was looking for right. to it. So yeah. Um, they gave you that thought of maybe this is Superman's kid, and then they thought, well, maybe it's not. So they're yeah. trying to play you on that one, and I thought that was actually pretty well done. Yeah, it's it's definitely a a different way of looking at it. But that's how he he explains this, and then they go up top, and he throws that piece of kryptonite, um, or he puts that piece of kryptonite around one of the crystals from the Fortress of Solitude. They load it into a rocket and they launch it out into the sea. And the minute mm-hmm. he puts that thing in there, I love how the crystallization starts happening. It's like it starts cracking and sort of expanding on itself. 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you say what you want about the effects. I actually liked the effect of the that that device going into the seabed and starting to create the new continent thing. Yeah. I thought that no. looked cool. Yep, I agree with you, and that 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 I liked as well. I thought it was well done. I thought it was interesting. You know, you're expecting the Fortress of Solitude, right? Right. That's what you're expecting to see come out of there. It's a little bit like it, but it's a little different. Well, so I thought it was kind of neat. It says that this stuff grows. It, it gives us an idea that this thing attaches properties based on where it's put. It, the Fortress of Solitude looked like a big crystal ice palace because it was thrown in the middle of a ice. bunch of ice, right? Yeah. This yep. would look like if the bottom of the ocean came alive and rose, it's this big volcanic rock, which is yep. essentially what the bottom of the ocean is because it's right. covering all the magma and all that stuff, right? So I, I dug it. I thought it was cool. And I love that Alex's reaction is like, oh, we probably need to go now. it's it's time to go but as all of that is is happening in between that uh jason is playing heart and soul on the piano and the thug that is there to watch them starts playing the other half of it which i did think was kind of funny that one of lex's thugs only lex Mm luther would have thugs that could play (laughs) the piano but well of course he would he wants geniuses right yeah during that though Glowis, you know, like you said, the one person you don't need to tell your secrets to is faxing their coordinates to mm-hmm. the Daily Planet, so somebody can come help them. Because they, I mean, even she knows Superman still gets his mail to the Daily Planet. Somebody put this out there, so we can get some help. And as she's and- trying to do this, she's trying to hide her, you know, all faxing and all that while the guy's playing the piano. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Again. uh, we look at this fax machine and think, oh, that technology didn't exist then either. So, yeah, yeah. there's another call to something a little further down the line. But yeah. so it's kind of muffles the. Uh, can you can you get a fax here. from the sea? I just I don't know. I mean, that's a heck of a communication a telecommunications line. Can you transmit a fax that way? Uh, as long as it's got a connection somehow, and I assume it does. I mean, wireless transmission's been around since the 20s. So, I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, actually, it's been around even longer than that. Okay. Um, so I guess it's possible. And I suppose uh, the mid 70s really is when the first fax machine came out. So I guess that kind of fits, but this one's a really nice new one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so so it's definitely not one that was going to get beat up by the guys from Office Space. So, yeah, (laughs) it's going to work a little bit better. But, but I like it, that that's it's what a she, stretch. It, it, it is a little, but we go with it again because it's the setup. And the thing is, is she doesn't get the facts off, or we don't know if she does or not because the guy unplugs it as it's, you know, pending or whatever. And he's, uh, you know, throws her across the room. He's basically going after her. And Jason is sitting behind the piano, just huffing and puffing. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, we see this piano come across the frame and essentially smash the thug into the next life. Oh, yeah. Jason has <laughs> just destroyed him. It's uh, Jason's little gift to mommy is boom. <laughs> you know, it's that's all he's got. And I love how and, you know, they throw her and him in the meat locker later. And she's like, can you we get the door open? He's like, eh, sorry, one shot deal. Well, I, again, right. <laughs> he doesn't know his own strength. No, no. And he not probably was just as shocked that he did that as she was. Right. right. So uh, but that's the instant that, you know. Well, this is definitely Superman's kid now. Yeah. Not that we didn't think it before, but now it's confirmed. Right. This is Superman's kid. This is Superman's and, kid. Yeah. He goes into the door and, and he doesn't want to give it a, he doesn't want to give it a try. He doesn't mm-hmm. think he can do it. So he doesn't even bother until just before they let him out. But yeah, it was, uh, 
It was. I thought it was kind of cool. I, it was one of those moments that, and I can remember being in the theater when it happened. Everybody cheered. Now later, everybody bitches and moans about it, you know, because right. they're oh, was Superman, F kid, all this stuff. Whatever. But, yeah, you get know, I mean, that's what people get into. But at the time, it's it's pretty freaking cool, you know, because there's no other way she's getting out of that. You know, she's, no. a, she's a, about to be in for a bit of a disturbance. She's <laughs> going to get killed, basically. Yeah, yeah. and it's not going to be pretty in front of Jason. So he does the only thing he can do, you know. Yep. Of course, it, as this new continent begins to erupt, uh, which is a good way of saying what's happening with it, of course, that's not exactly good for the old power grid back in Metropolis. So, yeah, not not good for the power, but so grid, much that it blows it. Yeah. B- yeah, it blows the plasma TVs up in the Daily Planet, which is pretty amazing electrical shock, I'll say. That's so, a that's a power surge. That is indeed. I mean, you know, invest in the twenty nine ninety five uh, surge protectors, guys. You know, Circuit City was still around in two thousand and six, I think. So you know, go down, load yeah. up. Anyway, so but th- it's all again clues to something is up. They finally get power restored, and boom, here comes the facts. And Jimmy Olsen, of all people, taking pictures around the office, because that's what news photographers do. They sit with their camera and take pictures in the office, sees this fax, and that's how ultimately they get the word to Superman. Uh, through you know Clark, of course. I wonder what these are. They could be coordinates. You know, and both. I love how both Richard and Clark at the same time are like, those are coordinates. You know, Richard would know that yep. as a pilot, and of course Superman would know that because he knows everything because he's been training. He's Superman. Right? Yeah, he's Superman. Well, he's been training <laughs> that. He would. That would make sense for Superman to be able to read grid. I mean, yeah. That, and I, I like how they both just all of a sudden go their separate way. Like, yeah, oh, I'm going to go get her. Nope, I'm going to go get exactly, her. Exactly. Yeah. They don't realize they're both going to go get her. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> we get it. We get another answer to something. As Superman is transforming in the elevator shaft, Brian, his clothes just fall away. So all you know, there's that answer right there. He, Superman just has a heck of a wardrobe budget because well, he yeah. drops a lot of clothes. Either that, or he goes back and gets them later. Well, and he did that. He did that also in in Superman too, I believe, when he's falling from the top of a building and right. it just disintegrates but, on his yeah, clothes. Yeah, but. but we didn't know if they disintegrated because of the heat well, or right, what right. at the time. We actually see them just sort of fall away, and it's bad CGI, right. sure, but they do <laughs> fall away, and so that we have an answer to that, though, which we didn't have before, which is kind of neat. It's just a little wink, but it's something. It's a detail they paid attention to. Uh, so. I want to know who's going to fix the elevator at the top of the building that he smashes through <laughs> to go get it. But. Yeah, well, you know what? When I was looking at that, and I don't know if you got this feeling or not, it looked like... If you remember way back to the first Superman movie when his pod begins to escape the the planet, it looked like when that glass broke too. That's, well, that's the yeah. way I felt about it. It's you know he went off to his birth, and as we learn in this, he's essentially going off to what may be his doom. You know, sure. And of course, he doesn't know that at the time, but that that's all a part of it. He goes out to the the island and finally figures out what's going on, and he lands down there. And immediately something is wrong. As we look beneath the cracks that he's made, because he thuds right into the ground, there's all mm. that green leprechaun goo <laughs> just waiting on him. And I love how Luther plays it off to him. You know, like, well, oh, weren't expecting we, that, were you? Well, we, we got, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, too. You got to remember that first he goes and saves Lois and, and uh, Jason from right. the sinking ship, which is now broken in half. And they're True. trapped in a meat locker yep. looking out a glass. I mean, this is like a nightmare for anyone, right? You're in a ship that's gone down. You're stuck in a room that you can't get out of. And all of a sudden you see water just filling over the top of you and you have nothing you can do. 
nothing you can do. Scary as crap. And of course he thuds on there and then opens it up and gets them out of there and gives them to, um, who has also found the place, right? He's yeah. in his plane, which is good. And then that's when he goes to the, the big rock and learns, oops, or something. You got a kryptonite. Exactly. And yeah. I love how Lex Luthor just unleashes the tongue on him here and just lets him have it for all, you know, all you put me away, blah, blah, blah. And he dropped earlier that the reason he got out of prison was with Gertrude's money and help. He was able to swindle a, a, a technicality out of it because, of course, Superman was on, you know, Krypton or was gone. So he didn't appear yeah, in court. And that's how he got his conviction thrown out and got released. Right, the, the witness wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, the witness wasn't there. And I was like, so it is your fault, Superman, that I am still here. Yeah. And I, I, I loved it. And I'll tell you, this was a big deal, you know, for me at the time when he grabs that little shard of kryptonite. And mm-hmm. shanks him with it, basically. That's what he's, he's prison shanking him and yep. breaks it off at him and then kicks him off the side of the thing. I was like, this is dark. And it oh, also, yeah. and it answered one thing about the suit that I, you know, was debating. I'm, I was having, I've been having this conversation about the suit for decades, Brian, is that the only thing that can hurt the suit is the only thing that can hurt Superman kryptonite because you know bullets would have torn that thing up right all it takes is that you shard think, of kryptonite yeah. and it rips it so apparently there is something about it that's tied to him but here nor there that is a powerful and very dark very dark scene we i don't know that we've seen anything that dark in a superman film up to this point no and that just shows you the awesomeness that they've gone with on lex luther and how kevin spacey plays him he's ruthless this whole movie mm-hmm. and this is this is wow like he's like yep time to get revenge for those five years i spent in jail and just stabs the crap out of him and I liked it. I thought it was really cool. And I was wondering how that's going to work because now the kryptonite around him weakens him, right? Now right. it's inside of him. What's oh. that going to do to him? I mean, it's like giving him poisoning, you know, and we've seen mm-hmm. what Superman poison can be. I mean, you know, as bad as part four was, that at least was an interesting idea. The only thing maybe that could hurt Superman is if we could overload his radiation, maybe, you yeah. know, and that's what they go with here. And he he is struggling and for a little while is winning. He's almost up. He's almost up. He's almost up. And finally, he just doesn't have the strength anymore. And he starts to sink, you know, and he's like a sinking stone. And, yeah. And this is where I'm going to tell you about kitty's character having okay. a feelings for superman because you look at her reaction when he does this it's sheer sadness and and, and it's like she wants to help him but she has no idea how mm-hmm. right and that's how i that's why i took it as she has feelings for him and that it was legitimate feelings for him and i think that she'll show again later when when she does what she does that she's working on his side not Luthor's. Oh, that's an interesting take. I, again, I never looked at it that way until you you said it this time. So it's neat to sort of think back and go, "Is you're probably right that you know maybe she really did develop some feelings for him." We know at some point Miss Tessmacher felt something for him, even if it was just I don't want my mother to die in a nuclear explosion. She, you know, she goes as far as to plant a big kiss on him, and all, I mean, clearly she's got a little thing for him too. And we just don't get the lines of Kitty maybe setting that up, but. 
I can see where you're going with that and why you'd get that from this. It, it makes sense. So, And just, just to clarify something that uh, we've been wondering what her role with Lex Luthor is. Is she a girlfriend or not? It says here that she served as his prison nurse in jail and did all his examinations. So that's how what her role with him is. Uh, okay, good point. I have missed that line all these times. Had never heard that, so I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't know that. But the... Next bit, of course, is essentially all the times we've seen, you know, uh, Lois get rescued by Superman, right? Now it's mm-hmm. her turn to rescue him, you know? Yeah. And Jason's the one that kind of keys him to here's where he is, which I, again, that was kind of like they were looking at him like, how do you know that? You know, and it's, you, you figure maybe they have some kind of a bond, you know, psychic thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, how else to read that, but, um, well, it, I took it as he saw him because yeah. he was floating up and down in the water and he saw him. Then all of a sudden Lois sees him and then all of a sudden Richard sees him. So they all see him. See, I kind of thought he was out of sight or whatever. And then maybe something about him again, he doesn't really know his powers, but they may flash occasionally that like his vision maybe yeah. got really good. I don't know. I'm probably giving you, you a lot. saw him bobbing up and down in the water, you know, okay. falling in, then coming back for yeah, falling in, coming back. And, and they all saw him because they all right. said, yep, I see him. Right? Okay. Well, so when they know. come around and Lois jumps in right after him and I love how just as he's sinking away, she grabs the cape, you mm-hmm. know, now here's the thing. I, you know, Margot Kidder is not exactly, you know, a bodybuilder. All right. <laughs> Kate Bosworth is a very little woman. She's mm-hmm. not large at all. She has no bulk to her whatsoever. Girlfriend could eat a hundred hamburgers a day and would still weigh a hundred pounds. Maybe. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sort of amazed that she's got enough adrenaline in her body at this point still to pull Superman up out of the depths. You know, it's not like he weighs a hundred million pounds, but he's a 225 pound man who's soaking wet. You know, that that's in, in the water. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was, but you go, you yeah, want to know though, it, I'm picking it apart now, but honestly, at the time, I just went with it, and I thought, about time. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, she, yeah, I didn't even think of that. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah, she, she owed him one, I felt like, you know? And, so big, uh, a few. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, pro- you're right. You're right. She owes him a few. So anyway, she gives him, you know, she gets him back into the plane, and as she's looking him over, she notices you know, the thing, the little bit of the shank sticking out of him. And I love how she can't just yank it out immediately. Like she's got to kind of wrench it. And it's like, she had to get a needle nose. Yeah. yeah, I know. She's like, mm, 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 and he's like, ah, you know, yeah, that's the appropriate reaction. You know? Yeah. That he is in a lot of pain because of that. And, but she, when she gets it out of him, you can tell immediately it's like, ah, yeah, and she throws it out because she looks at it and knows immediately what that is. I mean, didn't even yep. have to be told. She's like, I remember this crap. And she, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love how Richard's like, why are you open the freaking door to the plane? You know, and she throws that to the sea very quickly. So I was like, we don't I need like any more reaction. Both times Richard. the plane opens, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the crap? Exactly. Leave the door closed. <laughs> exactly. But that is what gives him, you know, the, the power to kind of raise up and he, he says, I've, you know, I have to go back, you know, and yeah. I've got to get ready to go to go back and I've got to take care of this. And so he gets to the door and he's I love how he says, you know, goodbye, Lois, because he's thinking to himself, this is going to kill me to to get rid of this, because I think at that point he's already mm-hmm. got some kind of plan. I don't know what it is, but he's got. Right. One. 
He's going to save Earth for one last time. Yeah, uh, that's how I felt. And can I tell you, I I know they they said they were going away from the death of Superman thing or whatever. If they had decided to go there with this as maybe a springboard to what the next film could have been or whatever, I would have gone with it. Because what happens next is my favorite sequence of the whole film. He flies up through the stratosphere above the clouds and into the sunlight. And I love the pose and everything. And it's like he's juicing up for one last. He's recharging. Yeah. Exactly. Recharging the battery. Recharging the battery. Then he whips around and flips that heat vision down and basically burrows a hole through the sea and through the sea floor Mm -hmm. and goes beneath it. And Brian, he lifts up the entire freaking new continent out of the Mm -hmm. earth. That was bad. That was awesome. It's I mean, it's massive, right? Mm-hmm. He, I mean, we're talking half of North America, at right? Least, right? It's exactly. for this one thing, and he's got it. And it, I like how they made it look. They made mm-hmm. it look like it was a challenge for him, right? You know, instead of being this easy thing like I can do it with my pinky, right. which he does most everything else, this is a challenge for him. Not only because of the kryptonite, but just because it's a massive piece of land that he's pushing up through the air but what i didn't like jay mm-hmm. is what he does with it once he gets in space he just tosses it away like does he know the <laughs> proper trajectory to toss this thing without causing major problems in the universe i was oh. wondering the same thing like does, did he not learn anything <laughs> last time throwing right. things into space doesn't not work out well mm-hmm. but he's got to do something with it <laughs> so i love though how he fights himself the whole way because as he's pushing this landmass, of course it's starting to crack and yep. what is it made out of it's got kryptonite all in it, kryptonite. And, it mm-hmm. and he's just fighting it the whole way and you know lex Luthor's made this speech several times in this series but he does it again in this one he talks about mind over muscle and we've never seen well we've seen superman use his mind before but this is really the first time we've seen him use mind and muscle to accomplish yeah. a goal and it's like he is going to push this thing if it kills him into you know, the nothingness of space, which, of course, we know that there is not, not nothing in this in space. So someone in Saturn right now is probably really pissed because that thing just came and landed. So <laughs> the alien, the Mars rover is like, what is that? <laughs> the last thing I it got saw. an eclipse of a big mass of land. <laughs> I know. I, I don't I don't know what else he needed to do with it or what, but yeah, I, I did not like, a whole lot. Yeah. Other than to maybe chop it up with this heat vision and I, yeah, but destroy I, it. But, but I got yeah. the, the feeling at that point. That he was spent by the time he let the thing go. Oh, yeah. Because he well, falls. Yeah, and he was, right. Yeah, he falls back to Earth like a meteor and lands in Central Park or Metropolis Park, whatever you want to call it. And I, I mean, and it's like a shot heard around the world. Nobody says a word. It's just, boom. Yeah. You know? And you talk about, I mean, again, dark. And I remember thinking to myself at that time, he's dead. They have just done the kill Superman thing. They did it totally mm-hmm. different than the way it goes down in the comics, but they've done it. Wow. That is that was not what I expected at that point. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the the fact that he falls to it, you know, Earth like that and makes a huge crater where he lands. I mm-hmm. thought that was cool. And just the way the whole scene goes where they're wheeling him into the hospital and they're trying to stick needles in and it's just bending the needle because it's, he's a, made of steel, basically, right? right. Well, they can't even they cl- get needles in them. Nothing. They clean out that last little bit of kryptonite that's in that wound and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like he's made of steel again. He's just knocked out. They can't. Right. They try to defibrillate him, and he, you know, he blows the machine blows up. It up. Yeah, yeah. It's like because we. I mean, again, we don't really know anything about his body chemistry. 
Yeah. He does have blood or a blood-like substance because that when Lois pulls that shard out of him, it's covered in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. it's not covered by like necessarily like ours. And they don't go into a big deal about it because it's a Superman film. They're not, this is not Grey's Anatomy. But... You know, again, it's the, you know they're doing everything they can for him, and what they realize is we don't know what to do for him. You know, right. that, that he's just there. Now we got to step back for just a sec here, though, yes, because yes. Lex and Kitty get off of this island. The other henchmen don't make it off as it's falling apart because Superman is tearing it out from underneath itself. Mm-hmm. You know, they grab the remaining crystals from the Fortress of Solitude. And they get ready to evacuate in the helicopter. And Kitty makes a very interesting decision. Yeah. Again, because of what it does to Superman and what it can do to the rest of the Earth, she just just tosses the crystals out of the plane as they're taking off. And there's nothing Lex can do about it. Now, uh, tell me this. Is it Kitty flying the plane? No, no. Lex is flying the helicopter. Oh, see, I, I now he wanted to go back, and she said no. So it made me think that she was flying it. But no, he's he's, he's flying the helicopter. So because okay. he's in the pilot seat, because she as he's gassing it up and turning it on, she opens the door and drops those crystals. Yeah, she she just doesn't want to see more people die, and so she tosses them away. And of course, Lex is furious about that. Right. Now let's think about should they have continued this storyline of Superman here. All of the knowledge crystals have now been thrown out into the vacuum of space because they're on that, you know, island essentially that he jettisons from Earth. So he has once again lost his connection to his home planet by the end of this film. They play with that a bunch in this, you know, this series and they they do it again here. And they, I mean, again, there's no follow up to it. So we don't know if they were going to do anything with that. But that's certainly a consequence of what's happened here. Well, and and we don't know per se that all the crystals were taken, mm-hmm. but good point from the fortress. So there could be still some left. Good point. I hadn't I thought about it like that. So the point is though, Kitty has made this decision. So you know, we know Lex is is they get off of the thing, but we don't see them for a little while. So we don't know where they go. We'll get back to them in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Superman is laid up in the hospital, and of course, who comes to see him? But Lois with Jason. Right. Yeah. And as Jason is sitting over there playing with his suit, you know, because they've laid it in the chair for him in case he needs to get up and, you know, go check on his insurance. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Superman's HMO will let him stay more than a day or two. <laughs> so <laughs> intensive care. When do they pull the plug? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when it, they don't. They can't get a plug in him. So <laughs> it's kind of a problem pulling it. But at any rate, she leans over and what does she make of the whole? She whispers in his ear. Kisses him and then goes a bit. Oh, I thought it was quite obvious. And mm-hmm. the way that they had Jason play it, too. Like, she started telling him that Jason was his son. Mm-hmm. And she noticed that he was kind of hearing it. Yep. And so she went a little closer and whispered in. But that's my thought, is that he? she probably told him that she still loves him and that their son will be safe or something like that. That's my thought. But she reveals to him that it's the son for sure. I think so too. And I don't know what else she says to him. There's a lot of, you know, discussion and conjecture about it and stuff. I actually like the fact that it's, we're not, we don't hear it. We don't get yeah. to hear it. It's one of those things that you and I have called Joss Whedon out for and his writers on Buffy. From time to time, they'll do things where people are saying things to each other and we don't get to hear it necessarily. We just get to see the, the actions from it or the reactions from it. I think back mm-hmm. to when Buffy had to tell Dawn that Joyce died and she tells her in the hallway and all we see is the two of them acting it out through a window, but we don't hear any of the sound of it. 
right. you know, it, it works on that same level. I was fine with it too. I, you know, I knew mm-hmm. what they were doing and it, I mean, and, I'll, and granted that's a standard rom-com trope, but it, it the reason it's standard is because it freaking works, you know, <laughs> and, and you get what you're supposed to get out of it. And yeah. I liked it and I liked how, you know, sometime later she leaves and then all of a sudden Superman's gone from the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, it, th- that maybe he woke up after that, you know, and he goes to visit um, Lois. and Well, actually he, goes to visit Jason. Yeah, he goes to visit Jason. And while Jason is sleeping, he hovers above him and he recites that last speech that Jor-El gave him, which undoubtedly mm-hmm. had been played back for him many times. You know, and he basically promises him is that you're not alone and I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. You'll be my son and, you know, all this stuff. And he's essentially promising to be the present father that he never had from Jor-El. Mm-hmm. You know, he right. had um, Jonathan Kent for a short time and then he died. And so he's going to be a presence in Jason's life, even if he is not necessarily with Lois. You know, he's he's going to be there for his son. And yeah. I kind of got the sense of this too, that the way they play it at the end is that Lois is like, you know, look, I'm going to be with Richard. I love Richard. He's good for us. He's good for me, blah, blah, blah. But I want you in our lives too. And he's like, and when he tells her, oh, I'll be around, you know, I'm always around. It's like, that's fine. I'm cool with it. It's almost like he's come to that point. Is that how you read it? Yeah, well, I think he came to the point all the time. I mean, if we look back at what he did in Superman's 1 and 2, is he erased the memory of their relationship completely in right. both movies, right? right? For her safety, uh, yeah. For her safety and because he knew it wouldn't wasn't what he needed to be, right? Mm-hmm. So he's come to accept the fact that she needs to be with Richard and that he's going to be the same role he's always been, there to protect her and keep Metropolis safe or the U.S. save, whatever. It's mainly Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And that's, he's accepted it. So he always seems to fall in love with Lois and then come to the realization that it's just not going to be right and accepts the fact that he can't have it and clears her memory of it, right? Right. Thankfully, they didn't do the memory dump thing here. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, I think that's, he's just resigned to, okay, I know my role now and I'm okay with it. Well, and not only that, he realizes how important it is for him to make Earth his home. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, all this back and forth with home, 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 this has got to be his home because this is where his son is. And it's where the people he cares the most about are. And it's where he can be most effective, not running around the galaxy looking for shards of what may have been a thousand years ago. You know, he's, it's time to yeah. be a part of Earth. And we, we didn't talk about it, but kind of sandwiched in between there is we see what happened to Kitty and Lex. They land on a desert island with no gas and all they've got is the little dog that she's been carrying around the whole time. And Lex is like, this is what we're going to eat. You know, some, yeah, some version nice. of that. Mm-hmm. I would trade you and your life a hundred times for one gallon of gasoline. <laughs> you know, yeah. But they ran out of gas. So they're stranded out there. But, you know, at no time when I was watching this, and of course, I'm assuming they're making a whole franchise out of it when it was out in 2006 i was like boy how's he gonna get off the island because i wanted him off the island but we get the one last shot which is the hero shot of every superman film they end with superman rounding the earth toward the sun kind of looking at the audience and flying off and it it is a straight up they tried to recreate the shot of reeve from the first one Mm -hmm. the way that ended the the whole sequence the flapping cape all of it 
you know, everything down to it's just a different face on it. Yep. So, um, and that's how it ends, man. And I think we're at the point of the podcast, Brown, where it's time to give our final recommendations, popcorn ratings for the film. So what are yours for Superman Returns? Well, there's a lot about this. So I, I had some problems with the CGI, which I, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. And some of those things, the actors kind of dropped the ball at times um, in this movie. But I really, really enjoyed the storyline that they put on here. I thought it was probably the best storyline of all the Supermans that they've given us. Um, it was very engaging. It was well written. And it just worked for me and like i said i i was at first a little hesitant on on uh, brandon ruth's portrayal of superman uh and clark kent but as the movie went on and we had a lot less clark kent and more superman i really kind of dug it and i really got involved and liked it so for me this is uh, i'm gonna go with a large popcorn on this i really enjoyed it and i will definitely watch it again you know i'm gonna say this that Outside of Kate Bosworth's performance, which I just didn't like or whatever, that's really the one thing I can consistently nitpick about this. Roger Ebert had this old line about every movie has greatness buried in it. Some of them just bury it deeper than others. And I have often said that inside of the two and a half hours here is a is a really tight 90-minute action-packed Superman movie if you want it. And I think there's probably even a fan edit of it out there that would cut out a lot of the lowest stuff and all of the sun stuff and all that. But I want to say this right now. Without that, this movie would lose its heart. And I know it's popular to bash this as the emo, boring Superman and stuff, but I am never bored with this. There's about a 20 to 30 minute stretch in it where I'm like, let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. But it's Spacey's performance that carries me through. It's wondering what he's doing next that carries me through. And I liked Brandon Ralph. I thought he was fun. I liked James Marston. I liked how they played him off of uh, Brandon Ralph in this. I, I dug the setup. I liked the evil plot and plan, how it was executed, and I loved all the big stunts that Superman got to do. And, and the last one is essentially he threw another planet off of Earth, which you can't get any bigger than that. I am going to say something that may be controversial and will probably get me in a lot of trouble with fanboy world, but I'm going to say it. This is the best of all of the Superman films so far, hands down. Easily, I I think it's better than the 78 one for all the good that that one is, and it's great. This one is more watchable to me. I will watch Mm -hmm. this one again before I watch any of the other ones. I'll never watch four again or probably three unless I'm with a lot of people that want to laugh at Richard Pryor and know who he is still, but... I know I will go back to this film and I give it the highest of recommends. I I do think this film is maligned uh, unfairly um, because uh, it didn't meet expectations. It wasn't the action action packed, super blam transformers movie or, or X-Men or something that everybody thought it was going to be. It was a contemplative, much more along the lines of what the original Donner film was, but with, you know, bigger and better action pieces. You know, the effects hold up or not, that's here and there, and you can debate that, but the fact is the action is way better, and it's it's great action, and it's a really fun film, and it's a film that's got a lot of heart to it, and I wish it had a sequel. I wish it had somewhere else to go, because it's kind of sad that this is where this one ends, but it is where it ends, Brian. This is really the end of the Superman franchise, because, as we know it, because Man of Steel, the new one coming out, is a mm-hmm. total reboot. They are going back to the beginning and they're retelling all of it. So uh, yep. it's going to be a totally new take. 
But uh, I think this is the best one. So extra large popcorn for me. Now, any thoughts on Man of Steel real quick before we wrap up this podcast? Things that you're, you know, you're looking forward to, things you've heard about it. I haven't heard a whole lot, to be honest with you. Uh, I've seen two trailers, I think, mm-hmm. and they, they both make it look absolutely phenomenal. So I'm very excited to see it. Uh, but I haven't read a whole lot on it. I haven't really kept up with it. Uh, and mostly because I, I want to go in fresh. Mm-hmm. I want to just go in and see what they do with it. And, and so I'm looking forward to it. I, I like that. I like that Nolan's involved in it, even though he's not the director. He, right. he is involved in it, and I think that's going to add some of that reality to it that you get from a Nolan film, which is very key to me. And so I'm looking forward to something that's not campy, that's not really a humorous take on Superman, that's really just going to be a, what if this happened in real life, how would it be? And so that's what I'm looking forward to most for it. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they play it. You know, and this should be said, I've, I've kept up with a lot of the behind the scenes stuff on it and a lot of the, you know, the stuff that's been released and things. And um, Nolan's wife, Emma Thomas, his producer, has said this about this film. She said, I don't want people to get the wrong impression about this. She said, Chris was brought in to help with the script. He, you know, co-wrote the script and she said, then we had other things we were working on. We were finishing up Dark Knight Rises. We're getting ready to do our next thing, which I think is called Interstellar and other projects. And so as producers, we handed this to Zack Snyder and said, go make your Superman movie. She said, so when you see this, I don't want you to expect to see Batman Begins or see Inception. Mm-hmm. You're going to see Zack Snyder's movie of what Chris and other people wrote. And I, I kind of think that's an interesting way of saying it. And, you know, some can say, well, they tried to distance themselves from it already. Or is she just setting it up to, cause she knows how the fans are about this, that this is not mm-hmm. going to look like a Nolan movie. And I will tell you now, if you want to get a feel for how this movie is probably going to look, go watch 300 Watchmen and probably the remake of Dawn of the Dead. That's a lot closer to what you're probably going to see, maybe without the bloody zombies, than, than what, you know, if you want to watch, if you watch The Dark Knight and then go watch this, I think yeah. you're, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Uh, because I do think Zack Snyder has a different eye for films than what uh, other people, you know, maybe see. And I'm kind of curious to see what he does with it, too, Brian. I, I mean, I really am, yeah. you know. Uh, the guy has a real interesting lens. He shoots very neat, and he's a fan of this stuff. He wants it to be big. And uh, I'm like you, though. I'm glad, you know, if, if Christopher Nolan's involved, he's made David Goyer write the best stuff Goyer's ever written. <laughs> and I I think it's going to be a, a very fun and watchable film for sure. Yeah, um, but we'll get to that one later on this summer. That we're going to do that one fairly close to the time it comes out, not right on the date, of course. We'll have to go see it and then kind of digest it. But we'll come back and do that one. Brian has been a lot of fun, sort of channeling through the Superman films here, as we have looked at five of them now, really already six of them because we did number two twice, and you know, kind of looking at it just so far. If you had to rank them for yourself before we go to Man of Steel, how would you rank these? Well, I think that the Superman Returns, like you said, is the best of the the set so mm-hmm. far. So that would be number one. The original Superman movie would be number two. The Donner cut would be three. The Lester cut of two would be uh, four. And then take your pick on the last two. They're both garbage. <laughs> I think the fourth one is by far the worst one. The third one, you uh, could go a little bit above that. Not much. But the rest of it, I totally <laughs> agree with you. It's that That's how I would rank them, too. And folks, let us know what you think of them. How do you rank the Superman films? You know, Post it on our Facebook page. You can find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages off of our home uh, site, continuousplaypodcast.com. Click the Filmstrip logo. You can also find... 
the archive section of our site. Brian's totally redone all of that now, so you can check out the other movie reviews we've done. Everything on there from, we did the Bourne Legacy, we did the Alien films last summer, we've done the Leprechaun series up through Leprechaun in the Hood. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff for you to hear out there. Rom-coms, you, know, you name it. We've, we've pretty well covered something of it in our, our uh, lexicon there. You can also find links to our other podcast, The Fabish Factor, our general film uh, the discussion podcast hosted by Kurt Fabish um, and you can also find a link to the Art of Slaying our Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast so a lot of fun stuff for you we appreciate you tuning in and we always thank you for your support so until next time and we'll talk about the Man of Steel for Brian I'm Jay thanks for listening to Filmstrip thanks for listening to Filmstrip and that you're um, totally impervious to pain well so far visit our website continuousplaypodcast.com for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. Farewell forever.